happen. And it, and it's interesting that it subverts a few things and that the girl, uh, Lex Murphy, played by Ariana Richards, is the one that's good at computers. Like, that's a bit unusual. You don't see that so much. And, and as a little kid, I remember thinking, well, that's stupid. Girls can't use computers. But, oh, um, <laughs> oh, 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 shit. That's what I thought as a little kid watching the film. And, uh, now, what do you think now? <laughs> There was a podcast called the Sequelcast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. It's the Sequelcast. Oh yeah, the Sequelcast. It's the Sequelcast. www.sequelcast.com Access main program. Access main security. Access main program grid. Ah ah ah! You didn't say the magic word. Please, God damn it! Take this hacker crap. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a show where we look at movies in a franchise one movie at a time. And we're kicking off 2012 with a, a look at the Jurassic Park trilogy. This episode, we're looking at the first film in the series, simply titled Jurassic Park. It came out in 1993. It was directed by Steven Spielberg, screenplay by David Kep and Michael Crichton, based on Michael Crichton's novel, Jurassic Park, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, and uh, Wayne Knight, and music by John Williams. Uh, this movie, on a budget of $63 million, uh, grossed over $900 million worldwide at the box office. I'm your host, Matt. Uh, we have a website, SequelCast.com. If you go to Facebook, look up SequelCast. we got a page on there as well. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, you can check out our uh, blog entries at uh, SequelCast.blogspot.com for uh, essays on uh, movies, not necessarily just sequels. And uh, with me is Thrasher. Rock-a-doodle-doo! Welcome to 2012! Jersey Jason. Welcome to Jurassic Park. And uh, BJ. Somebody shut the fence off in the rain. (laughs) And uh, yeah, Jurassic Park is an interesting movie because it sort of signaled the the start of heavy use of computer graphics uh, throughout an entire movie as compared to just a few short scenes like in Terminator 2 or uh, The Abyss. Uh, or Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, for that matter. But, before we get into the special effects and all these things, why don't we talk about the first time we saw uh, Jurassic Park? For me, it was in the theater. Uh, We saw it as a family. And I I remember watching it, and, you know, there's the scene where they get to the, uh... They fly into the island and see the dinosaurs and go into the, uh... The main visitor center. And... My dad had read the book before seeing the movie, but my sister and I had not at the time. We were like 10 and 11 years old. And I kept on bugging my dad during the movie, asking him if it was like the book. And I think he said, like, oh, shut up. It's exactly like the book. This is perfect. Um, So uh, do you guys have any memories of seeing this in a theater for the first time? Um, Yeah, when I was... Yeah, uh, if I can go... um my uh, when I went to see it, I was also eleven years old. I saw it in the theater, and, and uh, spoiler: my mother jumps at a very critical scene because of raptors. 
half the audience, I as a kid thought it was hilarious. I, I might have jumped too. I don't remember. I probably did. But I remember half the audience lifting a foot off off the off, off their chairs just from this simple animatronic. Just this good scare. It was a good fright. Hmm. Uh, Thrasher, what were you going to say? Oh, no, the, the first time I saw it, uh, my, uh, my uh, family and I, uh, every, every summer my family has a reunion at the Outer Banks, uh, and I saw this with most of my family uh, out, out in the Outer Banks. It was you just, mean, it was you just, mean the Outer Banks you're referring to uh, in uh, North Carolina? Yeah, the Nags Head area. And okay. it, was just, it was just this nice kind of dingy 1970s theater, you know, the, the, ki- the kind of theater that, that Spielberg would have been seeing movies in when he was a kid. And it was just, it was just a tremendously fun uh, movie-going experience. So just being there with my family, we're all eating popcorn, and then we get to see a, a cavalcade of dinosaurs and Sam Neill. Yeah, I think for a lot of uh, viewers, it might have been the first time they've seen Sam Neill on a movie, who plays, you know, uh, one of the leads in the film, uh, Richard Grant, I believe. Alan Grant, I'm sorry. Uh, BJ, what, what, did, what have you been in before? Everything? Not everything. Was uh, The Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter film, was that before this or after? Let me load that up and see. Jurassic Park was 93. Uh, in the Mouth of Madness was the next year, I'm sorry. And Event Horizon wow. wasn't until a few years later either. Uh, of course. But he had a small part in Hunt for the Red October. Um, and he. That's a good description. Yeah, he's been, he's been in stuff. BJ, what about you? Well, I actually saw it in school. Um, we were reading it. I think it was, uh, it was a, couple, you know, a year or so after you know, once it come on video. We actually read the book uh, in one of my school classes. And that's when I saw the movie for the first time. Hmm. Man, well, now, well, now here's the thing. Is, would you, how would you compare the book? I've never read the book. I've never read the well, book. Seen, Has anybody here read, read the, the book? Twice. Once when I was, before the, like, right before the movie came out, so I was relatively young. and I'd, That's a pretty yeah. heavy book to try to read for an 11-year-old kid. It is. I, I think it's like 500 pages or something. Uh, I, I haven't read it since I was uh, you know, around the time of the movie myself. But um, it's you said, actually rather frightening for a young for a young child like that. I mean, it was pretty gruesome, you know, just talking about dismembering you know dinosaurs, dismembering people. It's more it's violent a, than the movie, isn't it? Oh, much. Yeah, and I, I recall, I recall in the book, doesn't uh, John Hammond die? Hammond dies, and the um, the lawyer lives. Oh, okay. But the lawyer in the book is like a badass. He's huh. like Chuck Norris, the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I haven't... Yeah, I've not read the book in a long time, um, but I wouldn't mind visiting that book again. Uh, interesting. So, Jurassic Park. Uh, where to begin with Jurassic Park? I mean, I think, you know, seeing this in the theater, another thing that stuck out for me is it's the real oh-my-God moment of they land there and they see the brontosaurus and it's just a lawn shot of the brontosaurus and it goes in its hind legs and eats the leaves at the top of the tree and but it's isn't just that a- like 20 minutes into the film well yes the movie has a lot of setup a lot of exposition yeah. before you even get to the park and before the dinosaurs even go loose i mean it's got a, it's even got a part with dr grant threatening a child 
with an extinct animal. At the beginning, yeah. He, he threatens, uh, Dr. Grant uh, threatens a fat kid. Threatens to carve oh, him to bits. Oh, why did you bring up the fact that he's fat? He's just an annoying little twerp. Who, number one, why is he there on an archaeological dig? Whose kid is that? Well, if I could correct you, it's paleontological. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I'm afraid your terminology is uh, misleading and inaccurate. Okay. Why is there a kid on the dig? Because Emergency food. <laughs> I think it's comic relief. You know, it's interesting, even though Jurassic Park was, you know, the huge movie that summer of 93, the year it came out. Um, you look at that, and at the same time, it doesn't have any huge movie stars in it, you know? What did they what? What? No. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. I wouldn't say he was huge. He was massive. What, from The Fly? After yeah, no, no, this, this from... movie is what made him massive, because from this he went on to Independence Day. He no, was no, still no. kind of a quirky guy before, uh, who, who was in these weird movies before this. Well, that's the thing, is that he, okay, okay, maybe he wasn't any, in any great critical, but The Fly was a pretty big movie. Buckaroo uh, Bonsai wasn't critical? Uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania 6 5000. Um, oh, every, yeah. Everything the one, that Davis did. What's the one with the alien where he's he's an alien Earth with Jim Carrey? Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are Easy. Great yeah. movie. When is, that getting, when is that getting a sequel? No, no. Because no. I'm afraid they'll redo it. It'll get a sequel when Jim Carrey decides he doesn't want to do kids' movies anymore. Well, here's a blast from the past. Let's take a step back from Jurassic Park and just think about the year 1993. Do you want to hear what the top ten grossing movies were? In the United States, for that year, just for comparison, Jurassic okay. Park was number one. Number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. Number three, The Fugitive. Number four, The Firm. Number five, Sleepless in Seattle. Number six, Indecent Proposal. Number seven, In the Line of Fire. Number eight, The Pelican Brief. Or that's two uh, John Grishams on there. Uh, number nine, Schindler's List. And number ten, Cliffhanger. So I mean, that's that's a pretty good year from film that year. Yeah, that's the top grossing in the United States for '93. Um, what were you going to say, Thrasher? I was just going to say, if I can quote a line from the critic, "Pelican brief, more like turkey too long." Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you think about Jurassic Park, and you know it, it's interesting that there wasn't a lot of uh, movies that tried to rip this off. I think it, the exception being the Robert, uh, the Roger Corman produced films Carnosaur, which I think they made like yeah. four of. Well, which he was able to get the first Carnosaur film in theaters, I think it was a week or two before Jurassic Park. That's that's how fast Corman works. <laughs> you got you got to respect that, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um Another thing uh, worth noting about the actors in this, you know, like Laura Dern has been in a few uh, David Lynch movies. Um, we mentioned Jeff Goldblum. Richard Attenborough, who plays a Dr. John Hammond, is actually, he was an actor to start in his career, but later became a movie director and directed, uh, might be best known for directing movies such as Gandhi. Um, so, he directed Gandhi, another, he directed the movie of A Chorus Line, uh, the Chaplin movie about Charles Chaplin, where it's played by Robert Downey Jr., and uh, he did a film called Shadowlands, uh, directed a film called Shadowlands about C.S. Lewis. 
And of course, there's also the famous brother. David Attenborough, yeah. Who we all know from, of course, uh, all those great documentaries, all those animal documentaries. The nature documentaries, uh, yeah. Those voices, both of them, have such powerful voices. Definitely. So, here's a question. Sure. Do you think the, the girl who played the, the young girl in the movie, do you think she went on to do porn? Oh, Jesus. I mean, really? It's just a thought. You know, you always get those, because I don't think I've seen her in anything other than, you know, Dress Park 1 and 2. Well, look up Ariana Richards. What's I'm looking up Ariana Richards. She was in Tremors 3, Back to Perfection, as yeah. Mindy Sterngood. Uh, what, but to answer you, not really. She hasn't been Tell me so I'm not much. wrong. Okay. Is she replacing the sequel? No, that's her. It's her. No. Yeah, she's in the sequel for like two seconds. They look a lot different now. Jason, I mean, the kids... Every time I watch the sequel... Children... Jason, children age. No, but here's the thing is, when I see her in that, I'm like, oh, they got Kirsten Dunst to play her. <laughs> I mean, she grew up a lot, like her and the, the boy, too, Joseph Mazzello, who, um, you know, had a big, like, he doesn't have gap teeth anymore in the sequel when he's in it for, like, all of two minutes. Uh, oh, yeah, we can talk about that next Wednesday. Sure, yeah, but back to the original Jurassic Park. I think one thing that... um is good about this movie is the plot is kind of simple and straightforward so that when you have all the dinosaur action that comes in later in the picture you're still very clear who's a good guy who's a bad guy what's happening and i think it's not maybe as muddled as uh, the second movie uh, the lost world um that's something i appreciate with this movie uh well, i mean actually, here's something i want yeah. to talk a little bit about because spielberg got to do the script did you, have you seen the list of the other people that were going to possibly do this movie? Tim Burton, Sam Raimi? Oh, really? For directors? That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I know that um, the screenplay. Harrison Ford was supposed to play uh, Alan Grant to begin with. But oh. I don't know if that would work. But he, he turned it down. and I, I, I think, think that would have been interesting. It might have been interesting, but people might have seen it, him with a hat, you know, and always oh, digging up these after-dinosaur bones instead of ancient, ancient uh, artifacts. No, because the character's different. The character, the character is action type. He's more of an yeah. intellectual. So it's more like Dr. Jones when he's in his classroom than mm-hmm. Dr. Jones when he's fucking running from poison dart traps. Yeah. But I, I, I like Sam Neill. I think he's pretty good. I mean, Sam Neill is an actor kind of like Jeff Goldblum in a way in that they both have really creepy faces to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Sam Neill in particular. Like, Jeff Goldblum always comes off as playing slimy in a lot of these uh, movies. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's the right word. Event Horizon creeps me out to this day. Oh, Sam Neill in Event Horizon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't see that. And He's then, also in uh, Dawnbreakers. Or Daybreakers. Daybreakers. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was alright. Dawn, Dawnbreakers is that Twilight porno. Oh. Uh, and um, Sam Neill is going to be in this TV show that's coming out called Alcatraz. That looks uh, yes. kind of interesting. Like time travel and, and crime together. I think it's something like people that were used to be on Alcatraz sometimes get time travel to present day, and I don't know. Um, but it, it looks kind of interesting. At least that's kind of a different... Has anyone uh, been to Alcatraz? I have not been inside, but I took like a boat tour that went around it when I when I visited uh, California about 15 years ago. I had a chance to go inside Alcatraz uh, on on a tour, and uh, it's really really windy because of where it's located in the San Francisco Bay, and um, it's just, it gives off a really weird vibe. 
It just feels so abandoned. It, it's a very strange. Like, what other prisons are like tourist areas? It, it's it's kind of uh, strange. Disney's Orlando Adventure. Adventure. Oh, uh, so, theme parks. Yes. Jurassic Park is supposed to be a theme park with dinosaurs, and I love sure. that they first take um they take um I'm sorry they take uh uh Grant and uh, Sattler. I love how they take them out to a field just to show them how beautiful the island is, to show them a dinosaur, and of course, the like, Dr. Alan Grant doesn't even notice the fucking huge beast feeding off a tree. But I love the way that they lead that up, which is, again, one of the reasons why I like that Steven Spielberg got this movie. Steven Spielberg is known for those kind of shots where you see the person's face before you see what yeah. they're like looking yeah. at. I yeah. love that about Spielberg. He's famous for that. Any I, movie, there's that base. Well, in Jurassic Park in particular, I think it's almost like it's like Steven Spielberg is firing in all cylinders at a particular kind of movie he made around this time between this and the Indiana Jones pictures. This was, this was right after Hook, believe it or not. Oh, I guess you're right, sure. Which but, I is, never liked Hook. I love Hook. I like Hook. I loved Hook. For a different show. Uh, I like I Hook, but I never, I haven't seen it uh, recently. I, I like Hook, but not for Robin Williams. For Rubio, oh, you. huh? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was all about Shmi. I was always a big fan of Shmi. Uh, oh, Anger, directed at you, BJ. Anger! <laughs> well, if you like, uh, if you like Bob Hoskins as Shmi, you might get a kick. On a sci-fi channel, they did a, a miniseries recently called Neverland. That's kind of a different take on Peter Pan, but they cast Bob Hoskins as Shmi again. God bless him. Um, that's a weird typecasting, but I like it. <laughs> it is. But, um... Yeah, and in this one, well, anyway, I mean, that's a strange miniseries. I haven't seen the whole thing. But back to uh, Jurassic Park. Hey, quick question. In the book, are there two annoying kids? Uh, yes, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting that you have the character Alan Grant is annoyed by kids, and that's kind of funny because when I was little, I, I felt, um, you know, just like the, the little boy, Tim, in this film, that he, oh, he's all excited oh. and asking all these questions and everything. And it, and it's interesting that it subverts a few things, and that the girl uh, Lex Murphy, played by Ariana Richards, is the one that's good at computers. Like that's a bit unusual; you don't see that so much. And, and as a little kid, I remember thinking, "Well, that's stupid. Girls can't use computers." But, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 shit! That's what I thought as a little kid watching the film. And, uh, now, what do you think now? Uh, I, I've worked with with uh, several women in computer related jobs, and they're and they're they're perfectly uh, perfectly capable. And, and watching it this time around, you know, I found the character, the little boy Tim, very very annoying. But I imagine as a child, I was very very annoying myself, and I can be quite obnoxious uh, to this day. So Matt, Matt, your 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 response was pretty much that's ludicrous. I have many African American friends. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Just right. say you were a kid and, and, and silly or foolish. No, I was saying what I think now. I was giving your answer of what I think of it now, but okay, I was a kid and sexist and foolish, sure. Um, That'll get edited perfectly. So anyway, these two Okay, one of the things, um, like, again, these, these kids kind of show up, they show up after the ride, correct? They show up after... The, let's explain to the audience how dinosaurs are made. Yes, Part right. 
There is a, I mean, it's like a cartoon, five-minute cartoon that you're watching that explains what DNA is, and, you know... Oh, I love that sequence. And he's even talking about how it's going to be different on the opening day. What was that, BJ? The only thing that would have made that whole scene better is if Eddie Murphy had been doing the voice of the DNA. (laughs) Yeah, but that that was before Eddie Murphy got trapped in voiceover limbo. But, But, no, that scene, that sequence is one of my favorite sequences in the movie. I love the animation. I love the way it's presented. I love that it it looks like a cheesy informal video. That's like a perfect blend of like Disney World informative video plus nineteen fifties hygiene video plus modern infotainment video, all just bundled together with that ridiculous. You would think that their mascot would be a dinosaur, but no, the park's mascot is a talking strand of DNA. I love the absurdity of all that. Well, what are, also, also about that you have Hammond talking to Hammond on screen. I love that it wasn't perfect. It yeah, 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 it's off like, a bit. This is like the growing pains of a park. That was so cool to me. But also, that seemed kind of electronics. It seemed scientist. Yeah, it seemed a bit unbelievable to me. In that, or do they really expect the the founder, or the financier of the park, every sing, several times a day to go and talk to this audience uh, as part of this like video? I think it's designed so that it could be somebody other than him, but they're talking to him. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, like it'd be a tour guide talking to Dr. Hammond. Right. It, it reminds me, you know, like you said, Disney World, Epcot Center, I recall, I, I haven't been there in, God, I think at least 20 years, but I seem to remember they have a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say they're rides, but, you know, theaters that you see videos like this, and I, I recall Epcot Center had a very strange one about reproduction in sperm and babies, where Robin Williams did all the voices. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was in, uh, the, yeah, that was Epcot. That was the, uh, the human body. Yes. Yep. What voice does he use for the penis? Uh, oh. I, don't, I don't recall the voice he uses for the penis, but I do remember there is a scene where the, the husband and, and wife are about to uh, fuck and make a baby, and Robin Williams steps outside the house, and he's, like, sitting on top of the house, and he's like, I think we'll give them their time alone. And he grins. Like only Robin Williams can. <laughs> what about what if it was Eddie Murphy? <laughs> um, then it probably would have involved Scary Spice. Okay. Uh, so anyway, then they get to see they get to see one of the labs where they're making dinosaurs. I oh love the God. scene with the baby raptor and and, and you know. And well, the, no. Was that talking toys. about? They made toys that were like that. There were dinosaurs coming out of eggs. Yeah. Be like. Right. They made so many toys from this movie. Yes. And I had a good number of them. Well, you know, that's something else that, that lends this movie a certain level of realism is that th- this amusement park would obviously have a gift shop with, with toys. And so there's all these little, and I hate this word, but toyetic things like the trucks and the special night vision goggles that you know they would be selling replicas of those at the gift shop on the way out of the park. Do you want a funny Jurassic Park uh, truck story? You know it. Sure. I guess that's a rhetorical question. Uh, so some Jurassic Park fan recently, you know, had his truck done just like the – had his Jeep, you know, done just like the Jurassic Park Jeeps in the movie. And uh, recently Telltale Games came out with the Jurassic Park uh, computer and video game. And at the uh, Penny Arcade Exposition PAX in uh, Seattle – they contacted the fan that made this replica Jurassic Park Jeep and said, "Hey, you know, can you can you let us uh, use this as a for our display at the video game convention in Seattle?" And this guy said, "Sure." 
And during shipping, they fucked things up and really scratched the hell out of this guy's Jurassic Park Jeep. Oh. So mm-hmm. he had to compl- – and the video game company, Telltale Games, initially said, oh, there's no problem. And he had to complain, and then the whole internet complained because it became a whole news story. And they agreed to pay the cost to repair his replica Jurassic Park Jeep. Well, wouldn't the courier company be responsible, or would, or would this be covered at all by his insurance on the vehicle? Or was it just for show? He would never drive it. I, I, imagine he drove he it. Would, I think he would drive it, but I think he wouldn't drive it very much if you you know spent all this money to get a custom paint job on it, keeping it look nice. Uh, BJ, say again. Everywhere, so I'd probably drive the Jurassic Park Jeep everywhere too. And it would be cool to drive the Jurassic Park Jeep. Uh, BJ, you can speak closer to the microphone. Okay. So that now, sounds better. Sorry. Um, so anyway, uh, you you stood on the the soldier the shoulders of geniuses to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, <laughs> you you patented and packaged it. You you slept on a plastic lunchbox, and now now you're selling it. You're selling it. Yes, uh, Jeff Goldblum is great. He's a great source of humor in this movie as Dr. Ian Malcolm, a chaos mathematician. And uh, just and again, like how a, swarmy like, is he when he tries to teach um, the the other paleontologist? Uh, uh, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. He tries to teach uh, Ellie Sattler. Where he's yeah, touching her like, hand uh, and stuff, oh, and, and God, he's like, "Oh yeah, scene. just a little drop smooth. of water on there." Yeah, it's very smooth. smooth. I want to do that. I want to tell a girl I'm a chaos ma- I'm a magician. A chaos <laughs> magician. Yes. I'm a well, you know, a, a, with, with Jeff Goldblum's character, with uh, you know, Doctor Ian, uh, I even even this kind of struck me when, when I was seeing this as a kid, but it's also struck me as in later viewings as I've gotten older that um, Goldblum plays the character and plays it in such a way that it's like everything the character does is an affectation. Mm. Like everything is a mask he puts on. I could totally buy that this character has like Asperger's or something and this is a face he puts on because <laughs> he thinks that it makes him look normal. No, not Asperger's. Well, well, something. Normal people do. Normal people do kind of expectations like that shit. I think it's interesting in that it's a portrayal of a scientist, a character that's a nerd, but you're portraying it in a different way. He doesn't look like someone out of Revenge of the Nerds with with the that, pocket yeah, protector and the glasses. Neither do we, though. Well, no, but I'm saying that's what's interesting about uh, Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park is the wardrobe, the leather jacket, the sunglasses. It's a different He's take. A He's a yeah, rock star yeah, yeah, just like the line, oh, you had to bring the, you had to bring the rock star. Once again, Buckaroo Banzai. Yep. <laughs> and he's oh, but, that. Um, but, but also uh, uh, El Dorado. Well, no, speak, speaking of nerds, though, Wayne Knight is Dr. Dennis Nedry. And okay, you need to make the editors at Mad Magazine work coming up with the parody names of characters. You can't just have a name where if you flip two letters, you get Dr. Dennis Nerdy. Nerdy, yeah. But once, I, again, I, wait, once again, Samuel L. Jackson is the token black guy. He is. He it, this again was before he was big, big. Right. Yeah, he had yeah. small parts in movies like Patriot Games and a lot of uh, yeah. Spike Lee films. Was this before or after Pulp Fiction? Mm. It was even just before, I think. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah, but again, you have the, you have the technician and um, 
Uh, you can catch Game Warden. Robert Muldoon. How fucking cool is he in this movie? He's really cool. I wish... Australian accent makes everybody awesome. Yeah, he has has those short khaki shorts on. Um... And he's, yes! And he's like, (laughs) he's the Australian hunter. Again, it goes back to the idea, oh, we need somebody who hunts reptiles. Gotta be Australian. Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) Was Steve Irwin doing any sort of show yet? He's been act- he's been active for a very long time, you know, until he passed away. He was oh, very active, yeah. you know, with television and what have you. No, so I mean, yeah, it, uh, the Crocodile Hunter TV series didn't start until 1996, so that was. Five but it doesn't mean he may have done like PBS specials or something. I'm wondering. No, no, uh, he uh, he, uh, as far as I know, didn't break out into America until the Crocodile Hunter was brought over. I'm just wondering if maybe that's where they got the inspiration. Could but could you imagine like Steve Irwin in that role as instead of Muldoon? It'd be, yes, I can. Game warden Steve Irwin. <laughs> yeah, that could have worked. Now I remember they have an American, the actual guy, one of the guys who was on set as their dinosaur expert is in the second movie as the dinosaur expert on film. Um, and even in that, isn't the hunter in that? Um, uh, He's like. Oh. Yeah, but it's like that idea that when you have a tough hunter guy, he can't be American. He has to be something other. He has to be... Uh, he has to be the British straight white hunter. Yes, yes. That's it, exactly. And he's awesome in this. Again, he's like in charge, and like he sees the folly in this. I mean, he's seen uh, a raptor pull a guy through a fence. He's seen what these animals can do. And then he's supposed to be the he's supposed to be the zookeeper. You reminded me, Jason. You know, the beginning of the film. It's the scene where, um, you know, one of the raptors drags someone's into the cage at the uh, in the park, and he's yelling, "Shoot her! Shoot her!" Uh-huh. And uh, I, in college, I took uh, an intro to a film studies class, and one of the first things they had us do is they had us watch that scene with our eyes closed hearing all the sound effects and everything. Oh. And it really made it come across as, in your mind, as something much scarier than when you're seeing what's on the screen. Mm, yeah. You know, you're not seeing the dinosaur at all. You're just you're seeing a guy get dragged off. You're seeing a lot of chaos and people screaming. But um, it was really... That's the best kind of horror, is when you don't see the monster. Yeah, and they do take their time before they show the monsters, but once they... Or the dinosaurs, but, you know, once they do, you get to see a, a good bit of them, and... Uh, were the Velocirop were the Velociraptors and the Dilophosauruses really things before this movie? Like they, I didn't know about Velociraptor them. is real. No, I, didn't. I don't know if the the Dilophosaurus actually spits though. Uh, the Dilophosaurus is a real dinosaur, uh, but they did take liberties. The the venom was a liberty. I do not believe. Uh, I do not believe there's any evidence that they had a venom gland, much less that they could spit venom with pinpoint accuracy. And the frill was also a uh, was also a liberty they took. Now, what's interesting though is that the actual Velociraptor is about three feet tall, uh, and but and and I believe that they are depicted accurately in the book. I did read I did read about a third of the book. Uh, I was young and it was boring, folks. <laughs> and I hate to say that, but I'll go back later and read it. Um, for you know, for a kid, I was like, "When are we going to get to dinosaur action?" Uh, but anyway, uh, so, <laughs> so they're like as a kid. 
They're about three feet tall. Yeah, I was a kid. I was foolish. Uh, see, Matt, how easy that is? Uh, anyway, so a real raptor is about three feet tall, but, but, you know, Spielberg, you know, needed, felt that if these things are going to be threatening and if these things are going to have be, to have personality, they're going to have to be something tall enough to look the main characters in the eye. That's what's creepy is if you can look eye to eye with them. So they took a liberty and making them and made them bigger. However, and there were, and when word of this got out, there were a lot of paleontologists who were upset that this liberty had been taken. What's fascinating is while this film is being made, the Utah Raptor was discovered in America. And the Utah Raptor is the size of the Raptors in, the, in this film and taller. I was just about to point that out, actually. Yep. So, so they they did take a liberty, but amazingly enough, it paid off in the fossil record. Well, well let's speak about the dinosaurs. Let's talk about the special effects a bit. I mean, originally in the movie, uh, like you said, uh, Jersey Jason was supposed to have you know kind of like stop motion effects, but they also wanted to try some computer effects, which you had on a bigger scale in James Cameron films like Terminator Two, Judgment Day, or The Abyss. But they were, you know, in very contained scenes and not something going through the whole film. But yeah, as I they kept in one of my classes, we uh, we covered a lot of this. Uh, I think it was my intro to visual effects class. And what happens? They were all set for it, and ILM came in and said, "Hey, look what we can do." So like Phil Tippett and Phil Tippett Studios was about to go ahead and do the, uh, the stop motion, which they're they're actually some of the best stop motion people out there. Um, especially in America. But then ILM comes in and says, hey, we think we can do this. What do you think? And they showed him um, the dinosaurs. And the motion wasn't quite there. The animation controls at the time weren't quite ready. And that's where you get the great crossover between the uh, stop-motion armatures that they use to animate the dinosaurs. Our sponsor on SequelCast 2 and Friends today is Podcorn. Let's talk a little bit about them. Hi, this is Matt bradley Shirky, host of the SequelCast 2 and Friends podcast, and I just want to tell you about a, a real fun personal experience I had using Podcorn. Podcorn, it's a unique online marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from host-read ads to topical discussions and interview segments. And uh, so why would this be interesting? Well, this is a podcast, right? SequelCast 2, it's a podcast, and if you're listening to it, I bet you have an idea for a podcast yourself, and uh, and when you get to making one, or maybe you already have one, you you really need to think about getting a, getting a sponsor, because podcasting is a hobby. You know, it's it's not cheap. Any any money you can get to wet the beak a little, as a Thrasher likes to say, uh, would would help greatly. And so with Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all size, shapes, and sizes can uh, browse and choose opportunities on the platform, set their own rates. Really easy to use. You don't have to give up any rights to your podcast. And uh, Podcorn supports you there every step of the way. In fact, initially, I was unsure if uh, this podcast was like a big enough one to even be on their platform. And I got a response right away from their uh, technical support. Really nice. Really, uh, We had a good sort of conversation clearing up any confusion I had with them. And I'm sure uh, they would do the same to you. They just want to give podcasters transparency and creative freedom. And I think in, in that it's easy to use. You're not going blindly to a site, emailing them and going, oh, hey, hey, sir, hey, miss, can I go? And uh, uh, would you like to sponsor my podcast? Uh, you, you know, if you do that, no place is going to get back to you, especially if you don't have that much of an audience. But, you know, Podcorn, they take, uh, they're very open. They want to help you out. So uh, I would highly recommend them. 
So you can click the link in the show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast today. Thanks, and uh, now we go back to our show. Yeah, and in, uh, I was watching a documentary about the making of Jurassic Park, and it says the Phil Tippett's studio even did every special effects scene in Claymation just so the computer animators would have something to reference as far as the movement goes. And even for some of the dinosaurs, they had a, a hookup to the computer where they they could do remote control movements on like a remote control skeleton as if it was yep. uh, animatronic. And those motions would be captured in the computer for them to use uh, for the computer effects. And um, even though this it's movie... that that is gone out of style. They only kind of used it then. And now it's more stop motion with people in leotards covered in tennis balls. But like even today, by today's standards, Jurassic Park is still up there. That is still very believable, very well. You know, the the it's beautifully done. Yeah, almost. The animation is very smooth, and the rendering of the dinosaurs is still up to you know standard with today's. I mean, Jurassic Park is almost twenty years old. It's uh, nineteen years old. Um, I know what it is. Found out, guys. Uh, when when they did the uh, when they did the uh, T Rex uh, chasing the herd of Gallimimus, um it was actually it was like Spielberg was in the room, uh, Tippett was in the room, but also George Lucas was in the room. Oh right, because Industrial Light and Magic really did the effects. And, yeah, it takes it over. And like he he even said it was like like it was crossing just a major divide, and he knew that things were never going to be the same with digital art. Um, and then there was something. Can you can someone explain to me no go motion? Are you sure you, you mean go motion? Yeah, go motion or something okay, like that. Okay, go go motion. Go motion uh, was was a, a special effects technique. It's used it's used heavily in all the the Tautong scenes in uh, uh, in Empire Strikes Back, which I believe was the first time it was really showcased. And it was used heavily. It was used to bring the dragons to life and Dragon Slayer, and also used on the stop motion in, in Willow. It's a cross. It's an interesting thing. It's it is stop motion mixed with animatronics. That the way Go Motion works is instead of having a stop motion uh, model that you're going to make subtle changes to, then snap a frame, then make subtle changes to, and snap a frame. Instead, you build a very precise animatronic and you pre-program it with tiny moves. So when you so when you snap the frame, at that moment you snap the frame, the animatronic moves very subtly. But because oh. the frame is snapped in motion, it gets a sort of natural half blur the way an object in motion would get on film. So as a result, its motion appears much more realistic. It doesn't have that it doesn't have that absence of blurring that can often make stop motion look artificial. And if you want to see how powerful this technique is, look at Dragon Slayer. The, the full-size adult dragons are amazing. Okay. So, thankfully, like, I, I, I can imagine what it would look like, though. And I'm imagining in my head, it would have been a completely different movie. I don't think I would have been... I wouldn't have felt in it so much because of how beautiful the CG kind of fit. The movie it felt so seamless, didn't it? Yeah. It didn't. It didn't can anybody think of a scene that didn't feel? Yeah, yeah. What what is it? You get the characterization, you get the storytelling with it, as opposed to being uh, an eye feast. Yeah. It's very. I think it's very subtle. Like if you look at say Avatar, 
look at how prior, you can you pick it out and you're just like that's CG, that's CG, that's CG, that's CG. And when I saw Avatar, that's all I could think about was, hey, look at all the CG, as opposed to really getting a you know caring about the characters and what have you. And that's something that Steven Spielberg has been able to, to do with his movies and direct. Mm. He's not one of those directors that he knows how to use his tools. I mean, this That's movie is this movie's a masterpiece. I gotta yeah. say, it's it's one of my it's one of my favorite movies. I I need to watch it again. Even though I watched it for this, I want to watch it again. It really hasn't. You know, the only thing that's really aged is the computer work, but I think all the science is still pretty much accurate. And every couple of years, people bring up, "Oh, let's clone this. Let's clone a woolly mammoth. We have some DNA. Let's let's well, make chickens into dinosaurs now." Well, actually, if if I can talk about the science, that is oh. one thing that that day there was one thing that didn't quite fly for me as a kid. It still doesn't quite fly for me now. Is that um, they talk about how they fill in that they that they don't have any real complete strands of dinosaur DNA, so they have to fill in that the gaps with something. So they fill in the gaps with uh, with junk DNA from tree frogs. Which seems really weird because there are reptiles alive today and I'm sure lots of birds alive today which are genetically closer to the dinosaurs than tree frogs. Well, the thing is, Michael Crichton needed a vehicle for the gender swapping. I, I realize that he did need a vehicle for the gender swapping, but as long as you're messing around with junk DNA, wh- why can't something go wrong and reintroduce that kind of gene? It, it, seems, it's, it seems odd. Well, you have to you have to hand it to Michael Crichton. In most of his books, the science is plausible. True. It's uh, even timeline made sense, which I didn't see the movie of, but the book was really good. I do recommend it. What about Congo? I love Congo. I've never read Don't Congo. Don't say shit. I love Congo. Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your great white hunter, it just turns out that I'm black. It just so happens that I often be black, yes. God damn, that's a good movie. Uh, So anyway, back to Jurassic Park. I would say with Jurassic Park, it's interesting how um, a lot of the, you know, the dinosaurs don't start uh, getting loose until later in the movie. Oh, yeah. And you have this shot in this film of uh, Nedry gets killed and he's trying to get off the island with uh, samples of the dinosaur DNA stored in a uh, shaving cream can. And he drops the can and there's a really... It's a neat little thing. Yeah, it's a neat device and there's there's a very long... Very James Bond. Yeah, and there's a very uh, long close-up of him dropping the uh, shaving cream can as he gets killed and the mud flows over it. And it's curious they never picked up on that for uh, any of the movie sequels. Well, I, I had a, 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 one thing that was odd is because like it was it was in the form of shaving cream so he could sneak it off the islands and presumably through customs, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah, it was like a little. What what happens when this thing gets X-rayed? Well, uh... if you pack it in, you know he was in South American country. Couldn't you yeah, have that and carry on luggage? He wasn't going to customs where he was bringing it. 
and then it was the other people's, you know, problem. How to smuggle? I bet it. it was visual inspections where they just open up your bag. Do you have anything to declare? No, they shut it and you go. Well, no, no, because even when, no, when I was six, they X-rayed. They still X-rayed carry on. Ah, but see that again. You're, that was for flights. He was going by boat. Okay, okay, I could see, I could see that. They don't do it for trains. Hmm. They still don't do it for trains. That's because the amount of people that travel by train is still very low, and it's just, it's a sad thing. Not to get in a political rant here, but the uh, TSA doesn't work. No, it is theater. It is theater. We know that. Uh, so anyway, but uh, I like trains. That's that's what Jurassic Park needed. It needed a, a a train made of dinosaur bones instead of those those like rail cars. Well, even if it was just the cars looked like you know in the same color scheme, but yeah, the train, like the the tram, the studio tram idea. Yeah, because yeah, then you could have like gone okay. over and through the enclosures. Yeah, but how about on those SUVs? How cool were those? And then, of course, the big fight, the big, I shouldn't say fight, the big attack by the T-Rex on the SUVs. How cool were those vehicles? That was damn awesome. Well, all the T-Rex scenes are amazing. Like, it it gave us a reason to be scared of dinosaurs again. Go faster, go faster, go faster. Fucking, again, Jeff Goldblum being awesome. Oh, well, that's, well, that's, you know, those scenes... I like the, the 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 Tyrannosaurus reveal and chase sequence. I think was the most parodied film scene in that era. Everybody was making fun of the ripples on the cups of glass. Everybody was making fun of the T Rex eye right next to the car. Everybody was making fun of that gag that that objects in mirror may be closer than they appear. Rearview mirror shot, which which is brilliant and quick and doesn't overstay its welcome. Once again, it's a testament to to Spielberg to design these shots and to come up with them. I even that that whole T Rex attack scene. You have a little humor in it when the lawyer gets eaten on the toilet. Mm, yeah. I don't think that's meant as humor. I mean, yeah, that's the character. He's disposable, as it were. Um, there's actually the is they made him like the re- like you knew he was gonna die from the se- moment you saw him. You could kind of look in there and you could pick out who's going to die. And hmm. technically you're right. The lawyer dies before the black guy. So this film is progressive. Yes. Oh, but speaking of which, there's actually... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's Funny or Die. I want to say it's fu- uh, Funny or Die or College Humor. Somebody did a parody where it's the lawyer. They actually got the real actor. Huh. And they had all the people in these cars. And they're like, well, you have to go out and... and chase off the dinosaur or, or uh, lead off the dinosaur. I was like, well, why? But but I'm a lawyer. I And like, well, why can't the kid do it? Well, we're kids. We're innocent. We can't get hurt in a movie like this. <laughs> well, what about you? Well, I'm the uh, lead actor. And, well, what about you? Well, I'm too cool to die. Uh, oh, God. That's so... But it's but they got the real actor. They got the guy who played... Uh, I'm sorry. What's his name? The lawyer? Yeah, Donald uh, Giano. But uh, Martin Ferrero, they got the actual actor. It's pretty funny. Hmm. That I mean, is all these scenes, cool. like, there are some really great attack scenes. I love the kitchen scene with the two kids. There's some real tension there, especially when the raptor is heading right towards the kid. And they're like, oh, fuck, he can't get the, he can't get the, the door down. Oh, fuck, 
and it hits the reflection. That is such a kick-ass moment. I like. I can't even imagine how that was described in the book without foreshadowing what it is. But as a kid, I'm like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, and then I see it hit the reflection on the other side of the the panel, or and I'm like, that's so brilliant. And there's so much, like it's like slapstick comedy, except there are also these killer turkeys, as it were, these killer dinosaurs. <laughs> Don't call a dinosaur a turkey. They will gut you with their four claws. There you go. I mean, that scene is really interesting, too, in that you have, uh, there's a great part where, oh, you think the dinosaur is going to get, going to jump at the kid, but oh, it's just the reflection of the kid Yes. in the oven. And there's a lot of neat uh, shots in this movie, I think both of the Velociraptor and of the Tyrannosaurus Rex, where it's from behind the leg, the feet of the dinosaur, mm-hmm. as it's stomping back and forth. Well, you really get a sense of the weight of the creatures when Spielberg does that. It, it helps enforce the reality. And also they can open doors. Do we want to insert the critic clip here, or... We, we can. <laughs> I'm sure we can do it. We can recite it verbatim. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that you can. Oh, I know I can. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll do it. Okay. You, you Okay, so it's all the characters have locked themselves into the <laughs> into the kitchen... And, uh, and yeah, the raptors are scratching outside the door. You can't keep a raptor locked up in there. They're too smart. And wouldn't you know it, a raptor slides a newspaper under the door, jostles the door so the key falls out uh, onto the newspaper, pulls it out, unlocks the door and walks in. Then Hammond, well, you may get us, but you'll never get off the island. And then the raptor stands up straight. No, I beg to differ. You see, the other raptors and I have constructed a crude suspension bridge to Venezuela. Once there, we shall lie low, and I will assume our job under the name Mr. Pilkington. <laughs> but perhaps I've said too much. And then he pulls out a pipe and starts smoking. Now, what I don't understand, though, is why when Maurice LaMarche does Jeff Goldblum's voice in that critic clip, and feel free to line them up side by side for comparison, uh, why he sounds more like Charlie Sheen than Jeff Goldblum. Because I'm sure he could do a killer Goldblum. Yeah, that's actually a good point. What would be really funny is if he sounded more like Jeff Goldblum than Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> that would be funny. Well, there's there's another comedian um, who was uh, he was in one of the American Pie uh, book of love, I think it was, who does these reenactments on YouTube, and he's done all these great scenes from movies. And one of the scenes he does is the um, the boardroom scene from Jurassic Park, and he does a pretty killer Jeff Goldblum. It's really good. I sent you the link. Uh, uh, you can put that up on the site or whatnot. But yeah. I think he's a, he's a pretty good actor. Um, I don't know his name. That shows how that shows that shows how good I am. Well, um, now did anyone else uh, at the end of Jurassic Park watching it think that there were pterodactyls following them as they were on the helicopter flying home? No, oh, they'll I don't never know make what pterodons look like. Oh, but I thought it was when I saw the film. Even though it's just birds, I thought it was supposed to be. In the book, they do right? mention the aviary. But oh yeah, they, just, they never. They don't go to an aviary until the third movie. Yes. Yes. Right. Which in itself is an awesome scene. I can't wait. Which, to if you that. think about it, putting uh, doing an aviary with pterodactyls, um, doesn't that, that feels very weird? It's like. 
Okay, let's put a bunch of vultures in a cage and have people walk through that cage. Yeah. Well, you got well. They well. The thing is, they eat fish, though. They wouldn't have any interest in attacking humans. Oh, that's true. But yeah, it would be silly to clone to clone uh, uh, to clone pterodons and then just let them fly free on the island because I'm sure they'd go away. Yeah, but again, how far can they travel? Uh, I'm sure they can glide for quite a while, but I will admit I do not know. And also, there probably were like something. See, here's my thing: is like I just felt. Well, shouldn't you put some kind of chip in them or something so that if they do go crazy, you can fucking blow them up or something like that? I mean, that isn't that what they do with most things. No, the CIA built in a genetic disposition to need. Oh, that's right. If they don't get the food, thank you. I forgot about that. Lysine, I think it was. But that's talked more about. That's talked more about in the sequel, or or is that is that actually talked about in the the first? It's one? talked about in the first one, but then it comes into play in the second one. Yeah, it's lysine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amino acid. Is that a real thing? Yes, it it is. I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. Oh, thank you, Wikipedia. We love you. Yeah, if they can make that bias, why do they need to rely on tree frog DNA? Because DNA is still extremely complicated. At the time, we were not even as close to doing the to the you know finishing the genome project as we are now. Why? So we manufacturing were... DNA from scratch still not possible. Well, the other thing is, if we were to look at screens like this, twenty four hours a day, it <laughs> would still take us two weeks to read all the DNA. <laughs> God damn, that's good. I think <laughs> I think I think Uncle Buckshay just busted nut with that quote. I was sneezing, but sure. I'm flattered. Ugh. So anyway, uh, Velociraptors. Clever girl, just because I'm going to throw around as much <laughs> as possible. Um, the bunker scene and fucking running from Velociraptors. It, like, the, the swiftness and the beauty of these creatures. The Velociraptors are our bad guys of this film. Technically, we hate the Velociraptors more because they're more intelligent than T-Rex, Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a threat because they have a certain. It's unclear how smart they are, but they have a certain. They have a certain like a, a real cunning. They figure out how to defeat an electric fence. They figure out how to open doors. AJ, they're they're like almost great ape intelligence. They're, you're looking at like orangutan, chimpanzee intel- intelligence, possibly better. Like dolphins, but dolphins with claws that would eat. Dolphins with claws. That's my that's my ex movie. It's gonna be it's gonna be like Piranha 3D, but it's with dolphins. Clawfin. 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 claw. Dolphin. Fin. Fin. And see, we crossed a shark with a dolphin, and then we crossed that with a Velociraptor. Yeah. <laughs> you mean to say you took nature's most efficient killing machine and needlessly made it into a robot? <laughs> Uh, but see again that brings up my that brings up what I want to talk about with the ending you have the velociraptors close to killing the entire group and of course who comes to the rescue the T-Rex we love the T-Rex again the T-Rex is the hero of the movie and we get to see a dino exactly we get to see sweet dino and dino action 
which doesn't happen. And that's in the only book. because no, that's... the the Triceratops would never actually fight with the T Rex like it normally would in the old movies. What? Aren't they, isn't that because they're from two different eras? Yes, and the thing is, that being an herbivore, it wouldn't have a battle like that. It would probably just be trying to get away. Well, I guess it might try to defend its young, but... Uh... But, but yeah, yeah. yeah. like the badass thing where he throws down the, the Velociraptor and does the roar and the sign falls down. Yeah. Like, that is an epic ending. And that is true, though. Like, is that, that's not in the book. Oh, no. Not that I remember. Uh, one of the raptors gets killed with a fossil or something. Dropped by Grant, correct? I believe so. But otherwise, that would have been a terrible ending. That would be, oh, okay, the humans overpowered the boss. Uh, but no, having a T-Rex come into the, the visitor's hall, best idea ever. Ah, oh, God, brilliant. Who was responsible for that? Was it George, or no, no, I'm sorry. Was it Steven Spielberg, or um, who wrote the script? Who wrote this version? It was uh, David Kep and uh, Michael Crichton did some work on the script as well. I want to know, like, I want to usually does script work on the movies based on his books. A little bit. Michael Crichton used to be a, a film director too uh, for a little bit. He did uh, uh, West Westworld. Yes. Yep. Which had sequels. It did. Had one sequel. Yeah. Future world. And a video game. Oh. And a vi- yeah, I was about to say, a video game. Well, we can talk a little bit about, and did anyone game. play any video games based on this uh, Jurassic Park uh, movie? Sega Genesis, man. Yeah, so that was the one you could be either uh, Alan Grant or you could be a dinosaur, right? You could either be you could be Alan Grant or you could be a velociraptor. Okay. You got to be a raptor. And the raptor, I could never get past the sewers. I was so bad at that game. Oh god! It was like it was hard because the jumping and shit. You had to time it. You had to time your button pushing with the running and stuff. It was very much like Prince of Persia. Yeah. Only side scroll. Was it on par with Ghostbusters Two as as far as being hard? Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a little easier than Ghostbusters Two. Because to, to me, that, the, that was the hardest movie video game I ever played. No, 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 because you never played uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> that one's pretty hard. You know, I, I played the Jurassic Park video game on the Super Nintendo, and that one's weird, because some of it is like an overhead perspective, and you play as Alan Grant. But yeah, then and when you when you the buildings, it turns into 3D Wolfenstein. Yes, but like, very yeah. slow, like, it, it chugs along, like, very slow, shitty uh, Wolfenstein or Doom-style gameplay. Oh. And there was no way to save your game, and to beat the game, you had to do it all in one sitting. There was no passwords, nothing. Yeah, uh, I recall. I recall like the only weapon I remember from that was like a stun gun. So you had so an like, electric. Yeah, you had this thing with unlimited ammo that was just like a, a taser, and all the other weapons you had had very limited ammunition, and you could die all, very easily. I also remember there were certain parts of the map that if you went to, like, a Triceratops would just come out of the bushes and trample you. <laughs> yeah, and there's also, you would get, um, you'd go to these certain places on the map and you'd get advice from different characters from the movie, but sometimes Dennis Nedry would give you advice. Like, if you touch the raptors, you get an extra life. He would give you bad advice. Which is sort of funny. That's terrible. Yeah, but... 
But I guess he's the villain. We know not to touch him. Although, why he'd want people who could save his life dying by trying to hug raptors. I wish Nedry would have come back for the sequels. Like, it turns out he didn't die. He became somehow part of the Dilophosaurus family. <laughs> he mastered the... Now I have a picture of, of Newman with a with the frilly thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, like he spits at George George or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah. So I guess with this movie, um, again, it holds up. I yes. love this movie for the fact that it, you can still watch it now and still be impressed. <sighs> What I like is that we barely talked about what actually goes on in the movie. That's because true. It had I think such everybody an knows. Impact on every on all so many things that the movie has more importance that we don't have to sit here and pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, can I quote uh, Warner Hotsog? Sure. Because I'm working on an impression of him. Uh, okay. So this, is, uh, this is one of Hotsog. Um, I'd like to set movie as an example of Spielberg being a great storyteller, and that he knows how to weave special effects into coherent stories. Very nice. Is that yeah. a good Werner? I think what so. Does Jeff, what does Jeff Goldblum have to say about this movie? Um, uh, you, you stood on the shoulders of giants. Um, uh, oh, God, I can't do that one again. Hold on, let me... Let what me does find Bob it. Hope think of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> what if, what if Bob Hope had been Hammond? Boy, boy, I tell you, I thought the oldest like, fossil here was me, girl. It would be interesting to kind of recast the movie and see how it would turn out. Like if it had been a Ray Harryhausen spectacular? Like what if we did, um, what if we did, uh, we take uh, Christopher Walken as, as Malcolm, as Ian. Oh, Malcolm. okay, I get that. Wait, I can do that, I can do that, okay. Anybody hear that? It's, uh, it's an impact tremor. That's what it is. I'm very alarmed. I'm, I'm so alarmed. Look at the glass. It's moving. Oh, look, a T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could have worked, actually. You're trying to, you know, for another actor with a... a could have been a... Go faster. Faster. If Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, pirates don't eat the tourists. Oh, <laughs> 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 Oh, that's a good one. Uh, well, speaking of that, we should... We should wrap things up with uh, playing our little sequel game where pretend the other Jurassic Park sequels didn't exist. What would you pitch as a sequel to Jurassic Park, the original film? Okay, I got one. Go. Um, okay, so and everyone makes it off the island, tra-da-la-la-la. However, uh, some, of the, some of the bigger, hardier dinosaurs, namely some reproducing T-Rexes, uh, they managed to get off the island. Turns out they can swim, and they swim to to mainland <laughs> the mainland of South America and start making some trouble in a contested uh, region of South America where there's like battles with drug cartels and warlords and international peacekeeping troops and what forces and whatnot. So some specialists are sent in uh, to do a snatch and grab mission, and they run in and they run into the dinosaurs. And so they're like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. And then they run into the predators who have come to Earth to fight the now repopulating dinosaurs. So it'd be a... Jurassic Predator. 
Dress, okay, dinosaurs versus predators. Okay. Yep. And so you have commandos, T-Rexes, and predators in this crazy three-way battle. And, and, I, and at the end, we have a predator on a T-Rex and a commando on a T-Rex, and they joust. Huh. <laughs> I think if I pitched a Jurassic Park uh, sequel, pretending the other ones didn't exist, I would have to go with that, you know, lost shaving cream can. And I think somehow that can gets uh, gets picked up, and a uh, you know some guy that's in competition with John Hammond gets all these this dio DNA, and he makes, but he, he doesn't have the money to invest in how to do it correctly, so he does it on the cheap, and makes a shitty sort of dress park ripoff <laughs> in a, a corner of a. And he premieres it at a press conference in Central Park, but because his he has all these like knockoff, like shitty, he doesn't bother to get the the right sort of uh, DNA from the mosquitoes to mix with the DNA they created at the park. These dinosaurs are slightly off and a lot more bloodthirsty, so you have these like half-assed rip-off, weird combination dinosaurs running loose in Central Park. We'll call it Mesozoic Plaza. <laughs> sure. And so you have to get the original guys to calm these dinosaurs down. And so that way it's not a repeat of your, it's just the same dinosaurs over again. But you can well, go these, these weird what you got to do is bring in the old dinosaurs to fight the new dinosaurs. Oh, okay. It takes a dinosaur to kill a dinosaur. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, God. You know what's worse than five dinosaurs? Ten dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to make it. I think I'd have the the island gets deserted and they just kind of quarantine it off. Uh, And then a FedEx plane goes down off the coast and Tom Hanks washes up on the banks of it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So So Tom Tom Hanks in a volleyball versus an island of dinosaurs. Versus an island of dinosaurs, yes. Just... So what would happen with the Tom Hanks and the dinosaurs? Would he be their friends? You know, I, I hadn't thought that far. I just figured there'd be some great chase scenes because I'd love to see Tom Hanks running around like a crazy person since we haven't seen him do that since uh, Mazes and Monsters. That's true. He could run around and scream. He might even uh, train the dinosaurs like might, to be the like, next... See him maybe like riding on a triceratops or something. <laughs> you don't think he would train the dinosaurs to be the next all-star volleyball team? <laughs> and then the Harlem Globetrotters show up and they they, <laughs> they play basketball. Dinosaurs versus the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, man. Uh, Jason. Lemon versus an Iguanodon. I would love to see that. Jason, what's your pitch? Uh, okay. Um, what happens is uh, this green alien um, grabs a bunch of the dinosaurs. Played by Alan Cummings? No, actually played by Jay Leno. He feeds them something called Brain Grain, uh, a cereal that increases the intelligence of the dinosaurs. Um, And then the T-Rex, of course, is given his name, Rex, and introduced to the other dinosaurs who have all been fed Brain Grain. So then then, uh, Vorb leaves them to meet up with uh, a professor at the Museum of Natural History who will aid them. But at the same time, there's like a bad guy, like some kind of uh, professor 
with a, a arcane circus, uh, maybe an eccentric circus. Um, but he, but he drops them off in uh, in New York to find the uh, scientists from the Museum of Natural History, and in the way they meet two uh, they meet two children, and they try to help the children, and they get mixed up at a Macy's Day parade. At, I call plagiarism, by the way. Um, and then after that, like they they get kidnapped, of course, by the evil uh, professor character. Um, and then, like, they get drained of all their brains, so he's, like, got a brain drain machine or something, and then he's trying to use, uh, the brain drain, the kids find them, but then they've, like, reverted back to being dinosaurs, Arr! and then, uh, the kids have to try and save the dinosaurs, or the one, like, homeless kid, he wants to join Screw Eyes, because he's had a tough life, boo-hoo, um, and then, of course, they, they are able, but through something, um, they're Is able no to... Is no one going to put a stop to this? They're able to save the dinosaurs. No, no, no. It's not animated. Uh, it would use it would use CG because again, I don't want to lose I don't want to lose the connection to the first movie, and I also want to see these dinosaurs in New York. Hey, with music, Thomas Dolby. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you, Jesus. <laughs> Can't be worse than the Disney. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so is that it? <laughs> I, I think so. I think we all would recommend Jurassic Park, uh, the first Absolutely. one. And uh, tune in next week when. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention mention our sponsor. I should do that. You have a sponsor? Well, we do. We've had one. Uh, How long been sober, Uncle Milkshake? This whole time, I'm also suffering from a cold, but we have a sponsor. Um, at uh, Stitcher, if you go to Stitcher.com, S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R.com, slash SequelCast, you can sign up for Stitcher and uh, get the app on your phone and everything, or listen to it on your computer. And uh, what it does, it lets you listen to podcast streaming, so you don't have to download them. You don't have to wait five minutes for something to download. You can just listen to them streaming. SequelCast is on there, along with a whole bunch of other shows. You can listen to SequelCast on Stitcher at Stitcher.com. Of course, my opinion is my opinion is download them because then you can just have them. You can just have them on your computer. If you've got a computer, if you're using like an iPhone or something like that, go ahead and do streaming. But if you're using a computer, download from our site. That way, we know you're listening. And even if you do get it off the Stitcher, leave us a comment on our site because that way we know that there are people out there. Yeah, leave us a comment on our Facebook page, or leave us a comment on uh, a comment and a review on iTunes would be good too. I, uh, I was, yeah, and we have a blog at sequelcast.blogspot.com. I was telling Thrasher a funny story. I was trying to get a guest on for uh, to talk about one of the Jurassic Parks with us, <laughs> and he turned us down because he said you only have three reviews on iTunes, oh. which is a lame reason for turning someone down. I'm not going to say that got wrong. Put up ten. Yes. I want to I I review a day after this goes live. You hear that, Sequelcast listeners? Add a review a day to iTunes. Just make you know up accounts and add five... A podcast. I'm going to get her to get her listeners to come listen to us and, uh, and well, review Do you want to give a shout-out, BJ? You should. Uh, one of my friends from my WoW Guild, uh, she she does a podcast called Gamer Dames. I'm not exactly sure where it... Uh, she's been trying to get me to come guest on it, and I have not had a chance to, to really... You're not a dame! I know. You know what? We're going to have Gnome Talk one day. Uh, uh. 
Because we all play gnomes. Which, okay, you can't tell me, any of you who played World of Warcraft, that when you're in Ungoro Crater and that damn giant T-Rex walks out of the, the mist and you don't see it, that you don't think about Jurassic Park. No, no I thought about that. When, when I played it, I thought about that. And you can, a friend of yours that's on Game Dames, you can uh, go to their website at epicdolls.com slash game dames. That's E-P-I-C-D-O-L-L-S dot com slash game dames. G-A-M-E-D-A-M-E-S. Uh, How do we end this? Goodbye. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I know how you end it. I know how you end it. Uh, just, just Uncle Milkshake. Uh, do the line from the computer. Nuh-uh-uh. He didn't say the magic word. Nuh-uh-uh. He didn't say the magic word. Nuh-uh-uh. He didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh-uh. He didn't say the magic word. Is that it? Yeah, that's that, perfect. That's as bad as buy my book. Buy my book. <laughs> buy my book. Speaking of which, if you'd like to buy my book, the latest volume of D-Infinity, D-Infinity Volume 3, is now available on drive2rpg.com. Oh, uh, see, but see, that the, we leave the plugs to the end. We have to have that, uh, we have to have that thing, that finishing line. We have to have that, uh-uh-uh, uh, you didn't see the magic word, as the finish. Well, let's say that all together right plugs. now on the count of three. All right. So for the sequel cast, this is Matt. Rasher. Jersey Jason. And BJ. Saying, uh uh, 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 you didn't, you didn't, didn't say the secret word. word. Uh, 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 you didn't you say the secret word. word. Uh, 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 okay. you, you didn't, didn't say, say the secret word. word. It's magic, not secret. You're not fucking barks. <laughs> it should be. Okay. I'll, I'll divide a hundred dollars. It's please. <laughs> Yes, I hope they die, <laughs> and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Hate on to your butts. God damn it! Yes, but no, that's the whole point. That's the you whole point. Been, we should have had the Ghostbusters versus Jurassic Park. Ooh, very cool. That's We'd have the ghost of I mean, genetically reengineered dinosaurs oh, haunting the island. Oh, Nedry's Nedry's ghost. <laughs> He's trying to get revenge. He possesses dinosaurs and sends them out to kill people. Or, oh, here's a question. Okay, after this Lost World, here's my idea for a sequel. Okay, after the Lost World, you have um, a group of teens who get there on their van, and they have, what's wrong with this old amusement park? (laughs) (laughs) And there's a DNA monster. Shut it down, Matt. Shut it down. Okay, good night. Shut it all down. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night.